Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode 154 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk. As always, we don't miss a week around here. Excited to talk more NBA finals, a little sprinkling of NBA draft. We'll talk a little bit of Knicks news and rumors as well. This week, I've been promising you guys a little bit of an announcement as well. We'll get to that next week. We won't talk about that this week. Teasing it for one more week. Of course, we also have two weeks uh, until we do NBA Draft live coverage when the Knicks pick in the NBA Draft. So I'm excited about all that good coverage and some announcements coming up in the next week or so. But let's jump right in to this week's episode, and we'll start with some Knicks news and notes, and then we'll talk about the first three games of the NBA Finals and some preview for Game 4, which is coming up the day the podcast comes out. So, uh, as always, we record on the Thursday, and the show goes out on the Friday morning. Some Knicks rumors some Knicks notes from the past week and I think it really has to start with some free agency things that have started to swirl a little bit around the Knicks and it's one of those things I I think that some of these you know when you look at some of the options Bleacher Report does a lot of these and you look around and, and other sites Yahoo as well we'll get to the Yahoo story, which is kind of kind of nuts, uh, the rumor they're talking about in just a second. But some of the players that have been linked with the Knicks uh, or could be good fits for the Knicks, Danwell House Jr. is one that's come up, the uh, former Rocket, now Utah Jazz player, pretty good two-way player, good three-point shooter, a 3-and-D kind of a guy. DeAnthony Melton has come up as well. Um you know, Tyus Jones, one of his teammates with Memphis, has also been linked to the Knicks. DeLon Wright, with his shooting ability, has been brought up as a as an option with the Knicks as well. I, I just kind of come back to to two things uh, when it comes to you know some of these rumors and some of these some of this speculation. I don't buy too much into it. I think would be my first thought especially when it comes to the Knicks, because I think number one is we just never know what the Knicks are going to do. I think that's probably the first thing that comes to mind. But number two, 
And more importantly, these guys all play positions except probably Daniel House and maybe even you can maybe throw Melton in in a few different positions. But you know, none of these guys. I mean, again, Tyus Jones was kind of thrown into this this piece as like an afterthought as a previous Knicks target. You know, no one's a point guard. No one can run an offense among this group. And that's why I, this was sent to me by a buddy of mine, you know, earlier in the day. And I just was looking through it and I texted back, where's the point guard? Where, where's where's the floor general on this list? And again, it's one thing to rank moves the Knicks could make in general, but it's moves the Knicks need to make that I think needs to really be part of the conversation that there was this Yahoo piece from hoops hype that came out earlier on the Thursday as well, basically saying that the Knicks and the Miami heat should be going after Donovan Mitchell or that Donovan Mitchell should be, you know, making a trade request to one of those two teams essentially. And I, I just kind of go back to two things. Number one, you know, it'd be great if the Knicks could get Donovan Mitchell, and to be fair, Donovan Mitchell can handle the basketball, but he is a star that shines from the two-guard position. This is, again, a position when you think about where the Knicks are at going forward, barring a huge trade for R.J. Barrett, the Knicks are covered. At the two position. So again, I'm not saying Donovan Mitchell should not be on the Knicks radar if given the opportunity, but it's very clear that positionally the Knicks need to address the point guard position. I, I feel like we're getting into the 20s now for amount of podcasts I've done where I've come back and this has been the topic. And I get so frustrated watching and reading all of these takes on what the Knicks should do, what the Knicks can do. And even these people are not saying or putting point guard anywhere near the list or the conversation. It makes no sense to me. None. Zero. It's ridiculous. That should be the Knicks top priority draft or otherwise free agency trade whatever get a damn point guard I don't know how many more times I'm gonna have to say this in the next few weeks or or months during this offseason and god forbid years if the Knicks don't address it again but the Knicks don't have a point guard for the future on this team They really need one. Badly. And and for some reason, man, I I just don't understand it. This conversation has continued in a direction where you're seeing people talking about needs the Knicks have and they're not including point guard. I simply don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. The Knicks need a point guard. That should be the number one and one A on the Knicks wish list. 
And I listen, I get, you know, Charles Barkley came out and said the Knicks are not close at all to being relevant and they need more talent on the roster. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. But you need a point guard. And again, I'm not knocking Chuck. I'm just saying that, you know, there are other viewpoints out there. And I think Chuck's is more right than some of these others where they're just listing names that, you know, really don't fit what the Knicks need. Or I should say what should be at the top of the Knicks list, more importantly. I mean, Bleacher Report listed three guys that the Knicks basically already have as far as position. The positions are covered. And I'm not saying the Knicks don't need more talent, like what Chuck is saying. But you can't tell me that Danwell House Jr. should become a priority over getting a point guard. It's just ridiculous. I don't understand it. You know, I mean, this is where I come back to you know, some of these lists and some of this speculation. And I wonder what the hell people are doing. You know, again, the Knicks need to move on from Kemba. It's very clear. And, and apparently there's a there's a team that there's a, apparently there's a team or two that are considering a Kemba move. You know, a trade to get Kemba to come to their team. So, I mean, one report from heavy.com. I don't know much about heavy.com to be honest, but they're saying the Clippers are in the mix to potentially trade for Kemba Walker. Another anonymous GM apparently says that not only would the Clippers be a good fit, the Mavericks would be a good fit as well, but the Clippers would be the more realistic option. So we'll see. Again, the Knicks clearly need talent as well, but they need a point guard. And listen, I would love... Donovan Mitchell on this team. I I get why he would be a great fit. And I get also why there are people writing now that Donovan Mitchell should be going to a quote unquote glamour market to try to get a little bit more shine on what's been a solid career so far. Sure. Fair enough. But again, as good as Donovan Mitchell is, Stars that are not point guards still need damn point guards on their team. This is not complicated. I'm not saying that even a point guard, getting a point guard of any kind is, is over getting a star on the Knicks because obviously in the NBA, that's lunacy. You need stars to win championships. That's more important than any position. But... I'm also factoring in that I don't think the Knicks are going to get a star this offseason. I don't see it happening. Which means you need to address the next biggest problem. And that problem is the point guard position. And and would I love it if the Knicks could pull off a move and, and check off all the boxes in one foul swoop by getting Damian Lillard? Of course but it's not going to happen. I don't see it happening. The Knicks would have to give up way too much. It just wouldn't make enough sense for what... And again, on previous podcasts, we have looked through possible trade scenarios. 
to get Damian Lillard to the Garden, and almost all of them, almost all of them, would would essentially see the Knicks break this team up. You're breaking up the future of this team. It's a huge risk. It's a huge risk to do that. And all you got left is a star and then maybe a few pieces. It doesn't always have a happy ending. So, and again, the other the other part of that, right, is that draft picks are going to be involved. So not only would you be giving away your current crop for the future, but your future's future that you don't even know about yet, you'd be potentially damaging. So, I, and, I, and again, I'll say this too, the Knicks are not in an easy spot. The Knicks are not in an easy spot to grow this team, but they need to. They have to do it. They have to do it. So I, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. But th- this was just really, you know, dare I say grinding my gears earlier today. I, I just was looking through, you know, Nick's news earlier today and just running through Twitter, running through, you know, different articles. And all I kept coming back to was like, why is no one talking about the fact that Nick's need a point guard on this team? just doesn't make any sense to me or if they're not talking about it they're just trying to say the Knicks need to fill needs or whatever but then like every every time I try to spin this and come up with well maybe they wrote it because of this maybe they're talking about it because of that I keep coming back to but they still need a point guard with all due respect to Emmanuel quickly and Quentin Grimes, there is no point guard for the future on this team yet. And until one of them bursts out and has an unbelievable season and averages 18 points and 7 assists, which is not going to happen, at least not in the near future, and and for quickly, I just don't think at all, I just don't think quickly is that kind of player, it's it's an issue that's going to need to be addressed. And, and again, Quentin Grimes, by the way, also heavily a defensive player. I know he had some moments offensively this season. But one of the, like, the biggest reason Tom Thibodeau drafted him was because of his defensive acumen in the backcourt. This is no secret. That's why he was on those unbelievably stingy defensive units in college with Houston. Kelvin Sampson. Those final four runs, at least he was on one of them, Quentin Grimes. That's how they got there, was how good they were defensively. That's what Tibbs saw. That's why he drafted them. So it's it's crazy to me, crazy to me, that you can look at this Knicks roster and, and talk about needs and possible trades and not even mention a point guard. And again, the one Bleacher Report article just talked about Oh, you know, teammates with former Nick target, Tyus Jones. Yeah, well, Tyus Jones makes more sense. Tyus Jones would be a more likely target. In my opinion, for what the Knicks actually need. 
for what the you know for the cornerstones that need to be filled to take this team to the next step because this is this is a season upcoming this next this 2022-2023 campaign the Knicks need to get back on track they need to get into the playoffs and compete in the playoffs like they did in Tibbs's first season in charge that's the goal and I think the best chance the Knicks will have of doing that if this core is going to stay together is addressing the point guard position it needs to be done you know, it, it it's unreal to me that while, you know, again, th- there's going to be parts of this Knicks roster that change, right? I mean, all my, you know, I'm now in the uh, group chat with the posting and toasting staff and everyone's talking about, you know, Mitchell Robinson's, uh, you know, money that he could, pot- the Knicks could potentially get for him on the market and things like that. Now, that, that's not to say Mitchell Robinson's going to be traded, um, but you know what, what the conversation, what I took away from the conversation is the Knicks could make some moves in general, just to kind of shift things around. That's definitely possible. This roster needs to be slightly altered in some way, but the number one way it needs to be altered is at the point guard position. Kemba didn't work out. He's not going to play again for the Knicks. So the Knicks have got to move him on and get somebody in that's going to run this show. And again, I love Emmanuel quickly. He's clearly not the answer right now for this position. He needs another couple of years, I think. And I think, again, I think quickly could be a big part of this team moving forward. If he ends up not being part of a big package deal, that the Knicks hope to ship for a star. But until push comes to shove on that, He's a bench guy for me. He really, this is not, I don't think this is really up for debate. With all due respect, I just don't think he has shown that over an 82-game season, he can start 70 games and run the point. I don't see it. So the Knicks then have to address it. So it's extremely, extremely frustrating because I think some people are getting away from the main Knicks objective this offseason. I think it's very clear. I mean, it, tell me if I'm wrong. Comments below at SJ7 on Twitter. I, I mean, I don't want to have to title this podcast The Knicks Need a Damn Point Guard because I've done that like eight times, but it's unbelievable how quickly a narrative can change in the wrong direction in my opinion, with this situation. But again, as we always do around here, let me know what you think. Let me let me hear from you. Because I'm, I'm getting to the point where I, I don't know why, you know, we're hearing some of these things. It's, it's really mind-boggling to me. I know, listen, I know the Knicks tend to keep these kind of things close to the vest. So it's very rare that you hear about a lot of this stuff until after the fact or right before it happens like that kind of a of a thing and again to be fair a lot of this is speculation like i've said earlier but the narrative should not be where it's at right now as far as what the knicks actually need and to see multiple articles you know about it and not one mention of a point guard to me i just don't understand 
you wonder who's actually writing this stuff and if they're even paying attention to some of the things they're actually writing about it. It boggles my mind. But then again, in today's society, you, you can't be too surprised, can you? With, with the state of where we're at in general with the media, it's a difficult, uh, difficult thing to try and uh, defend as, well, this is such a surprise. We never see something like this. Well, now we do. And that's a fair point. But I'll wrap up the first half by saying this. The bottom line is this is on the Knicks, right? At the end of the day, whether those people are right or wrong, the Knicks need to address some things during this offseason. In my opinion, the point guard position is at the top of the list. They might have a different list. It is the Knicks. We never truly know what they're doing or what they're thinking. But we only have a couple of weeks, I guess, to wait and really see what's going to happen next. We'll take a break. Not really a ton of draft stuff to talk about this week, but we'll touch on a few things next. And then we'll talk NBA Finals to wrap things up. After the break, on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast, on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Second half of the show, just doing a quick dive into some NBA draft things before we fully go back into the NBA finals, which have been certainly interesting so far. Um, not really a ton, you know, of, of things with draft this week as far as news and, and anything like that. I was just trying to find a, you know, just doing one more quick run through to kind of see if there was anything else. But to, to be honest with you, this has been a pretty quiet couple of days when it comes to the draft. There really hasn't been a lot of movement. Last week we were talking about Orlando being more likely than not to take Jabari Smith out of Auburn with the number one overall selection. Um, there's now, you know, again, this this can shift. Mock drafts shift quite a bit couple of players who were higher up the board have fallen. A couple other players that were lower on the board have risen. Most notably, I think as far as involving the Knicks, uh, Johnny Davis in a lot of mock drafts, the shooting guard out of Wisconsin, is starting to be projected more towards the Knicks at 11 than he was going to maybe an Indiana or a Portland at 6 or 7. Also, more along the lines of what I thought was going to happen at the top, Many people now have Oklahoma City taking Jaden Ivey with the second pick in the draft. Bancaro would go third to Houston. Chet Holmgren would go fourth to the Kings, with Jabari Smith still being potentially the number one pick going to the Orlando Magic. So I kind of expected that, to be honest. I think Jaden Ivey, I'll say that if I've said it once, I've said it a million times. I think Jaden Ivey is the best player in the draft. I really don't think there's much debate. And I even said this last week that if the Knicks wanted any shot at getting him, 
they would have needed to trade up to the second spot. And that's clearly where some mock drafts are going now, having him up at that range. But I listen, I do like Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin. I think the biggest knock I have on him personally is that he's a little injury prone. And during the end of his season at Wisconsin, where he was phenomenal at times, could have been a player of the year candidate for most of the season. He really faded towards the end. And I think injuries did have a part of that, maybe even fatigue to a little bit of combination of those two things. But Wisconsin at some points this year looked like a final four team and they faded and Johnny Davis being the main culprit there really didn't finish the season strong whatsoever. So that's a little bit of a worrying sign. I would say, I mean, again, another guy I really like that would still be in this range as well is Kansas's Ochai Abaji. Although now some people have him going to San Antonio at nine or even right before the Knicks, Washington at 10. I really do think that the New York Knicks would feel good about their draft regardless if it was Abaji or Davis at 11. I think that's a pretty solid pick. I mentioned Ty Ty Washington last week out of Kentucky, a point guard option. He's fallen on many boards down to as low as 16 to the Atlanta Hawks. I, I think Ty Ty Washington's a decent pick for the Knicks there at 11. I think he's a, he, again, he's a potential fit for a position of high need. No question about that. I would add that you can kind of get a little, you know, uh, creative with that second round pick. If you take a point guard, at 11 or even a shooting guard if you take a guard which the Knicks need at 11 then at 42 you can actually broaden your horizons a little bit and just go for the best available player because in my opinion normally with the draft need tends to be more important than talent but that obviously that depends on where you pick right if you're in the top 10 then it's a little bit of a moot point but if you're after that if you're out of the lottery then I think fit matters a little bit more than the talent does because you're looking for somebody who fits what you like, what your style is, and who you think could be there as a potential option to fight for a spot on a roster and then be a glue guy, be a culture guy on your team. So the Knicks could really get creative with 42. They've gotten creative in the late first, early second rounds in years past. Emmanuel Quickly was certainly one of those Quinn Grimes, I'd argue, is also a little bit of a creative uh, pick as well, or at least what happened after that. So it's very interesting to kind of see what the Knicks might do at 42. I mean, there's a lot of options. Again, there's <laughs> quite a bit. Jamari Bouya out of uh, San Francisco, the Dons, is a point guard that could be an option there. Michael Foster is a G League player that some have the Knicks taking. He's a power forward. Uh, he could be an option. As well, Julian Champagny, local St. John's product, is a small four the Knicks might look at there as well. So it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, I thought the Knicks could have an interesting one if Johnny Juzang was going to be available at that position as well. The UCLA star, I think he would have been an interesting fit, potentially, but we'll have to see. Um, I'm very curious to see what the Knicks are going to do. I mean, Wendell Moore, by the way, out of Duke, not a bad option as well. Some guy who, uh, I should say, a player who can also handle the basketball at a pretty high level. And and there's a few other options. There's a few other options the Knicks could definitely 
look at as well. But those are the first few that kind of come to mind that I've seen on multiple mock drafts in and around where the Knicks are picking at the moment as well. So it'll be interesting. I I think that the Knicks have a chance for some real success in this draft. And I I just, I'm very hopeful that at least through the draft or free agency or through a trade, the Knicks get one or two point guards. I think they need a couple to really try and change the tide there. I mean, another player that might be a bit of a reach, for example, in the first round would be Blake Wesley out of Notre Dame. He's got size at 6'4", could play the one or the two. I think he's got some ability and could really grow into a strong NBA prospect. But again, I you know based on where the Knicks are picking, so, I mean, somehow Blake Wesley is as far down as Memphis or Denver, 22-21 kind of range. So might not be worth it for the Knicks. But again, those, you know, their mock draft, the Knicks mock draft, all NBA mock drafts are they tend to be different, is is what I'm trying to say, compared to what we think and what some of these other mock drafts put together. So we will see, but um I'm I'm gonna be on the edge of my seat for these next couple of weeks because I, I really have no idea what this is gonna look like for the Knicks. I really don't. And I'm a little worried because the Knicks are not in a spot where they can really afford to mess this up. If they want a good positive future with this group, they kind of have to hit a home run. The Knicks kind of have to hit a home run here over the next few months. And in particular, in particular, these next few weeks, the Knicks really need to do a lot of damage here and make things happen. Because if they don't, as we've seen in other off seasons, it snowballs into disappointment very quickly during an off season. And now you're looking at next year's team and you're thinking, Oh boy, this is going to be the same stuff again. The Knicks are not going to make the playoffs. And I will say like a second year with this group, not making the playoffs, you start to wonder if, if that season where they made the playoffs or where the four seed, is that the best it's going to get with this group? And in, and especially in a league like the NBA where teams, they change like that very quickly. So I, it's, it's going to be a very, very fascinating couple of weeks. And the next few months in general, again, not just the draft, which again, we will have live coverage. We, have, we will react live as we do every year to the draft. Um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss trades and more of these nonsense rumors that I just don't seemingly understand. And, it, and the speculation, which I even under, I understand even less some of the speculation surrounding what the Knicks should do and, and can do. And, and I just, I get lost in, you know, in it because I just get flabbergasted by some of the things I, I read and then wonder, do they even know what team they're talking about and the actual needs of the team? That's that really starts to come up in certain conversations from time to time because it's very clear what the Knicks need. It's just about whether or not they can get it. And maybe I should have made that more clear last segment, but it's not about what the Knicks need. It's pretty clear what they need, right? It's about whether or not they're going to get it done and get what they need to improve this team. You know, and this is a big, this is also a big few months here for Leon Rose. And this Knicks front office, let's be very clear about that. Because remember, this is the same front office, along with Worldwide West, reportedly, who tried to throw Tibbs under the bus 
You know, blamed blamed the problems on him. They blamed Tibbs behind closed doors. And they had the whole disconnect on the Cam Reddish move as well. Tibbs didn't want him. The front office did. Cam Reddish barely contributed this season. So he Cam Reddish better be big next season. Or, again, you look at the front office and you go, well, what are you guys doing? Right? I mean, that's where I'm starting to wonder, like, is this Tibbs' fault? Or are you guys not doing what you need to do to improve this team for him? That's, I, I, I really start to wonder. I really start to wonder. And I'll, I'll tell you this. If we are sitting here in September or even August, frankly, if we're sitting here in August or September, we're still talking about this, we might, have a, we might be pretty close to an answer as to where the front office is standing here as far as how, how much they're actually getting done and whether or not this, this blame being deflected is actually warranted or not. Let's wrap things up with some NBA Finals talk. It's been a pretty fascinating series so far. We reacted live to the end of Game 1 on last week's podcast. There's been two games since, and the Celtics currently have a 2-1 series lead. Game 4 is on Friday night. You guys will be probably watching that game, either while you're listening to the podcast or before or after you listen to the podcast. I know a lot of you do tend to listen on the Friday when it comes out, and then some of you... Sprinkle it in throughout your work week. We really appreciate that, as always. Game two was a bit of a route. Again, game one was a situation where the the Warriors had a lead going into the fourth quarter and absolutely chucked one up. They were terrible in the fourth. They were outscored 40-16 to by Boston at home in the fourth. So... The Warriors needed a big bounce back game in game two. They certainly got it. A big four, a big third quarter, I should say, from Golden State. They outscored the visiting Boston Celtics 35-14 to in the third. Steph Curry was tremendous. He had 29 points on six rebounds, four assists. He was great. Um, and he shot nine of 21 from the field, five of 12 from three. That's pretty darn good for the all-time leader in three-point shooting. I will say, uh, right off the bat, Klay Thompson has really struggled in these NBA Finals. I think he's a big reason why uh, Boston is currently 2-1 up in the series with Game 4 looming in Boston on Friday night. I mean, it's... I should say, sorry, on... uh, No, yeah, on Friday night. So, it's a very big game. And I think... Game four at TD Garden, Clay Thompson's going to have to have a big night. He only had 11 points on 19 shots in game two. So the Warriors blew out the Celtics 107-88 despite Clay Thompson's very, very poor performance shooting-wise. And then game three, I watched most of it and just kind of felt again that like, like Boston did dominate the first half, but it did feel like that third quarter, it felt like it had turned. It felt like Golden State was going to figure it out, and they cut, I think, a 12-point deficit down to four going into the fourth, and I thought, well, this is it. Golden State is going to go on a little run here and potentially win this game. They got waxed again in the fourth quarter. Both of Boston's wins have been due to lopsided fourth quarters from the Celtics, 23-11. to 
Boston outscored Golden State. That was, by the way, coming off the heels of two 30-plus quarters of offense from Golden State. Golden State then puts up their lowest scoring quarter of the postseason. 11 points. And they lose 116-100, to and Boston's got a 2-1 lead. And again, I look back at the box score. I was looking at this yesterday. Klay Thompson played much better in Game 3, but he kind of came on a little too late, in my opinion. He really needs to get going earlier in these games to kind of set the tone. And listen, you know, Steph was, again, Steph was tremendous. He had 31 points, shot over 50% from three. He'll take that every night. Clay Thompson had 25 points. He was great. But it just felt like it, it didn't, it, it just kind of came a little late in the game, it felt like to me. If, the, if, if Clay Thompson had kind of gone off in the first half, this could be, it could have been a different game in game three. And, and frankly, you know, Andrew Wiggins was solid. He had 18 points and, and contributed, but he shot terribly from three. And Jordan Poole, 10 points. Nobody else for Golden State was in double figures. I mean, I look at Otto Porter. Draymond Green, I know, is more known for his defensive work. But this kind of felt like somebody else needed to step up. Now, I know Gary Payton the second is getting back into this series. He played 11 minutes in Game 3. Maybe he could be somebody who kind of gets Golden State back on track a little bit in Game 4, could maybe give them a little bit of a boost. But Game 3 kind of made me think that Boston's going to win this series. That That's kind of what it solidified for me. I know after Game 1, I said on the podcast that if Golden State can win Game 2, I think they'll win Game 3. Well, they won convincingly in Game 2, and they threw Game 3 away once again in the fourth quarter, very similarly to game one very very troubling stuff if you're golden state and i I must say again robert williams was tremendous defensively for boston and I, i thought he was a big difference maker in that second half especially the fourth to to kind of slow golden state down and and even draymond green i mean i I just kind of Talked about how he shouldn't necessarily be relied on for his offense, but he said post game that he played like bleep. To quote his uh, his press conference, the S word for those that still need the blanks to be filled in. And he did. He didn't play well, especially on offense. And even I think even at times defensively, he had a couple of mistakes that led to Boston buckets in the first half. So. It was one of those games where Golden State, you know, again, they didn't play well, but they still had a chance to win it, and they threw it away. Fourth quarter troubles continue to haunt Golden State in this series. And for me, I really do feel like, especially the way Boston has played on the road in this postseason, Golden State really needs to win game four very badly. I don't think if they win it, I'm sorry, I should say, I don't think if Boston wins game four. I don't think Golden State's coming back. I don't. Golden State's done it before in a postseason series. They've come back from 3-1 down, most notably, I think, I think against OKC. So they've done it before, but th- this is a very different situation against a very 
difficult team to defeat in Boston because of the way they defend. I'm very curious how Golden State's going to come out in game four. They need a hot start. They really haven't had one in this series. And then when they have, or when they've gotten going, then they can't finish it off. Games one and three have, 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 have illustrated that. You know, once they get going, they'll build a lead or get back into a game. But then they can't finish it off. 14, sorry, 40 to 16 in game one, 23 to 11 in game three. Honestly, if if you had told me that before the series, I would not have believed you. And the first thing that I thought about actually when I saw the numbers back from the end of the fourth quarter, I thought of what Steph Curry said earlier in the postseason that they were kind of still learning how to close teams out. Well, it's flared back up again at the worst possible time for the Golden State Warriors. Make no mistake about that. And if they can't win game four, I really don't think they're going to win this series. I think it's going to be Boston's to win and finish off. I really do. I just don't see Boston letting it slip if they go 3-1 up. So we'll see. We'll talk about game four next week. We'll get an announcement for you next week as well. We'll talk more Knicks. We'll talk more draft. No question about that. One week from the draft. And then we'll have live draft coverage, or at least live draft reaction, two weeks from this podcast. So I'm very excited about all of that. I hope you are as well. Hit me up as always on Twitter, at SJ7. You can follow me there and let me know your thoughts on the Knicks situation, on the NBA Finals, or the draft as always, or you can go to postingandtoasting.com in the Shock Shock Knicks podcast comment section below each show. That's going to do it for this week's podcast. Thank you all so much, as always, for listening. You are all the best. We really appreciate it. Have a great week, and we'll see you all next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.